Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. <laughs> Open a beer, Clark. Alrighty, sick. That was a good old-fashioned beer crack. Uh, this is the second episode of the off-topic episodes for the Two Planker Podcast. This week I have a great friend of mine. I've known him since sixth grade. Basically got me into skiing, and we've come a long way since. Derek Simpson, known as Iceberg on the gram. Hi there. <laughs> what up, Derek? Yeah, not a lot. I know. We had work all day together. Yep. Yeah, long day at work. Um, it's a long season during the winter, but you get through it. Oh, yeah. You've been, you've been skiing quite a, not a whole lot, but a little bit this year. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, gotten a couple days in. Definitely slowed down a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Doing a whole bunch of road biking. But let's start off with just your backstory. I mean, we met in sixth grade. We came from the same town in Pennsylvania, little old Mechanicsburg. But you actually basically got me into skiing because I was a snowboarder when we met. Mm-hmm. And what got you into skiing? So uh, I guess initially a uh, good point to make is that our home mountain was, what, maybe 12 minutes away from my house? Well, you lived like a mile away from my house. So uh, we were able, and it was open until 10 p.m. every night, so we were definitely able to go skiing very, very often, even with having like a normal school schedule compared to what the kids out west are able to do. Um, it would be get out of school and I mean, back in middle school, it would be get out of school and have one of our parents run some sort of carpool situation and drive us up to the resort and pretty much close it out every night till 10 p.m., which was pretty cool. Um, originally, I got into skiing because of my dad. Whenever I was two years old, I think he put me on skis. Oh, wow. My first time, I don't know, or at least my parents tell me the story where my first time that I was on skis was on this little backpack rig that my dad was carrying me around on while he was skiing in Beaver Creek, which remember I was 18 months old, which sounds wildly dangerous, but <laughs> I supposedly it happened. But um, yeah, I ended up getting into ski racing just because uh, my parents were, were adamant about it. My dad was super into it and all of his buddies and his chums were very interested and i don't know i think it's kind of more of a beer event for them where they'd put their kids in ski racing and, and have beers and have fun and yeah. yell at them yeah and um <laughs> yeah so i was probably skiing before getting into park even good five six days a week just doing ski racing and never got super good at ski racing um it was a great time met a lot of great people that i still talk to to this day um yeah, i was gonna say i remember when you would kind of start getting away from the racing and you'd like in between practice or like racing practice or something you'd like come over to the park and you'd yeah. like go to practice on your twin tips and just be like dude it's so boring like i just want to be here in the park all day yeah yeah and like uh what i think it was tuesday night what, what do they call it 
Tuesday Night Club or whatever. Thir- I think it was Thursday. It was Thursday. one day of the week where like the yeah. school would bus kids up with nightclub cards to the resort. Like, it'd be like multiple schools coming on one night. Yeah. yeah, and we'd go up and do that. And that's whenever, I mean, I had racing practice those days. And I think I darted out pretty often in middle school to go ski park. Um, yeah, and I got super into it. And then, yeah, I just, I don't know, dad wasn't too stoked about it initially. <laughs> but um, I remember you going yeah. through a bunch of pairs of skis. Yeah, and like, I mean, what, it was whenever, I don't know, like every Saturday in the lot there, he'd have cookouts with like all of his buddies and invite all of, all my friends and whatnot just behind his truck. And that was super fun. So I'd have races in the morning and then I'd go ski park in the afternoon and just like wait it out all the way until 10 p.m. every Saturday, Sunday. And oh, yeah. that was super chill. Um, I definitely remember those 13 hour days. Yeah. Yeah. It's like (laughs) hell. I don't think I could put in more than a three hour day nowadays. I mean, these are just not cooperate, but, um, I think there was one year where I remember I ended up negotiating out a pair of full tilts for like an all A's report card, (laughs) uh, with my parents and I'm what I wear like a 10 and a half, 11 shoe. And I remember I, I went to the, yeah, I ended up going to the ski shop after getting good grades somehow and uh, found some like two year ago Tom Wallace uh, the red drop ones, kicks. Wasn't it? Yeah, the red ones with the laces on it. Oh my God. And dude. I got 29 fives, and the, <laughs> the guy fitting my boots was just like, Are you sure? And obviously, and now I'm like running a 26 five, which is, yeah, like I can't <laughs> believe. Super sloppy, and I know you did the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Where you were running some 29.5 bullshit. Yeah, $100 and eBay full tilts that were way too big, but yeah. I could afford them. Yeah, and um, I remember trying to put a race boot on after having this fucking boot on that was it's too big. That was two and a half, three sizes too big for me. And I remember pulling up, I was wearing these like these Oakley pants that I thought were super steezy, they were medium. And I remember wearing this 3XL Under Armour hoodie. There's like the local guy at the time, Mike Yurick, was sponsored by Under Armour. And I thought it was so sick that I found this 3XL Under Armour hoodie. <laughs> yeah. So I remember riding up the lift in my race skis, like after just like kind of getting into it, my dad being like, I just want to, I just want to go free ski. I want to go like, I want to go to the park. I remember trying to go like jam myself in these race boots. And like that day was the last day that I like, I was a ski racer gotcha. and I just st- stopped from then on out after putting those fucking langs on. And that uh, was like yeah. true par- racing because you did yeah. still do ski or cross, right? Yeah. Yeah. I did like, uh, I used to race like sol- slalom and GS and then got into a little bit of super G, but that was like pretty limited just due to the circumstances of living in Pennsylvania on a 400 foot mountain where you couldn't really <laughs> set up a super G course. Um, and then I got into skier cross because my buddy Chris Wilson, uh, he was super into border cross at the time and he was going to nationals and I was like, damn, I could, no one's doing the skier cross <laughs> shit. So I could present it as me being like a national level athlete to my parents. And there's like 70 motherfuckers in the U S competing. In. <laughs> so I do like a couple races a year and then get involved in that and, ended up like going out to copper i think two times for nationals which was super fortunate to be able to go do that it was a phenomenal experience or one time i like i think i was with you yeah you it was there. i went out one time with you. I, I did like a 
<laughs> I don't know. I wasn't used to hitting like 40 foot kickers and yeah. I just did like a backy off of it or off of one 40 foot kicker of copper and I over rotated and smoked my dome super hard. <laughs> and, um, it was like, yeah, it was, I remember Ryan like being like, dude, are you okay? I was like, don't tell my parents, don't tell my parents cause I hit my head so fucking hard. <laughs> and like, I don't know, that was probably one of my undocumented concussions of many. I was going to say, I think you skipped practice that day for us to go hit park. And then I think that was that year that you learned backflips on like a 20-foot jump at Round Top. Yeah. And we went to Copper, and they just had like perfect 45, 40-foot jumps. And I just remember you going through the jump line. I didn't even hit those jumps at that time. And I just remember at the bottom, just looking up, and you went big and yeah. then just back slapped yeah. so hard. And I think I learned I learned how to do a backflip in seventh grade. I think I think there was this this girl that I was interested in that I wanted to oh, impress, yeah. and that does it. Doing, <laughs> yeah, and I figured it out after like two times, and it was just like and everyone that has done one knows how ecstatic of a feeling it is. Oh yeah, getting your first back and just chucking them all night, like. So fun, but yeah, definitely, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> those are some fun times at Copper, mm-hmm. running around the village at 15-something years old. Yeah, it was a good time. Sick. We also ended up going to Snowflex camps because neither of us were able to go to Wendell's or anything like that. Yeah, yeah, and that was, Snowflex was amazing. Um, I think every inverted rotation that I've ever done or that I like learned on skis. Every basis I learned at Snowflex. Besides what I think like Misty's I learned without Snowflex and Rodeo or Switch Rodeo I learned without Snowflex. But yeah, um But Switch Misty's was a big that was yeah. a Snowflex thing. Yeah, and it was super that was a super fun camp. Um remember John Stelter and Stelter. Kirk Scully, Kirk Scully were like the big dogs there teaching all these tricks yeah kellen was like our coach but he was out of the mix he was was on some other stuff which is super funny because we're very good buddies now yeah he's my roommate (laughs) yeah yeah it's fun too we just like i just moved in with ryan and i's childhood friend mike Mike bledgy yeah and um and then ryan ended up finding a house with kellen that was right next door so it's a little bit fratty but it's a fun, <laughs> fun living experience to say the least. We're worst. late 20s. It's a yeah. little less fratty, but yeah, yeah. 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 But, um, I mean, Snowflex was, Snowflex was so integral to me actually like learning how to ski well. And it was like, it was so easy to get to. It was like, it was like four hours and 20 something minutes, like yeah. away from the house. And, uh, yeah, there are some like really cool camps there. It's super accessible. And it was super loose for a camp. Yeah. Whenever like we went, it was crazy. It was it was it was somewhat loose. Yeah, but, I mean, yeah. for being on a very strict yeah. Christian yeah. college campus. Yeah, it yeah. was pretty wild. It was pretty fun. You could, yeah, you could. It was a little a <laughs> wall, but um, yeah, super fun. The skiing was so much fun, and like just being able to just kind of chance yourself and not have too many repercussions most of the time was pretty fun uh rail skiing didn't really wasn't super assistive in that but for like i don't know just for an east coast kid learning how to jump a little bit it was perfect 
Yeah. yeah. I remember those nights under the lights, the amazing sunsets, and just, yeah, yeah everybody riding the little tow rope up to the to the jump. It was definitely really sick. I remember trying some stuff that I would have never tried on snow there just because you have the foam under your feet when you land. Yep. Definitely got to cover your skin up because that stuff burned you, but... Hurts like hell. You had a pretty wild accident there the one year, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, spacing on... Switch Misty Nines. What was the homie's name that taught me those? He was the dude was who was doing the no, dub No, Connor's his little right? brother. Connor's his little brother. I kind of remember. Fuck. I don't know. Um, it wasn't it one probably, of the Steltzers? No. It was... His little brother's name was Connor. I don't know why I can't remember right now. Doesn't really. I mean, yeah, if I, it'll probably pop up later on. But um, this out. yeah, and um, basically, I learned switch misty nines the night before. At that trick was like, I don't know, it was super technical for like out of any of my buddies that were able to like ski at all. Yeah, we're used and, to small jumps. That's you yeah. need something decent size like, to. I don't know why I was so stoked on doing them, but I ended up like doing a cut like the night before the, the session was like in the morning and then there was like chill time during the day and then another session later in the evening. And I remember I, and it, yeah, I learned them, I think second try I got them and it's like, it's a pretty chill trick to like to fall on. If you under rotate it, you go straight to your hip. So it's not like, extremely consequential most of the time but um yeah so i ended up doing them over and over and the next morning i'm really fired up to do them again to be like all right i really got this you know and i take one speed run and kind of like i don't know it's i didn't really i wasn't thinking much i was just more excited and the second time or the second run that i take i end up do it, yeah, I end up doing switch misty nine and rotation's fully complete and I'm still like 15 feet <laughs> off the ground and I start moving forward like kind of like an, what, like an off-kiltered Superman front flip essentially. Just like towards and, one of your, like your right yeah. foot or something. Yeah. yeah, and then I end up, yeah, I end up like, yeah, I end up hitting <laughs> the ground pretty flipping hard and it... Yeah, and I remember knocking knocking my head real bad, and something didn't feel right. So I went to the doctor, etc. Uh, didn't ski the rest of the time that I was there. And then Mike and I, like my new roommate and Ryan's next door neighbor, we were like in high school, and we were like, "Dude, let's get jacked!" Like this, this is like whenever we finally get home and, from camp, and we're going to Planet Fitness, just super scrawny. Like every day, I think we were like. We were being shitheads. I think Mike Mike was saying like, "Dude, we should just rip shots of vodka before going to the gym." <laughs> yeah. like it's gonna. It's like he had some some methodical idea of how it it made it, it more beneficial. <laughs> no, to make it more beneficial to your workout. <laughs> and I remember like it was like my back hurt so fucking bad, and I'm just like doing this, and all of a sudden I was playing. I played water polo in high school and um, started doing like preseason for that. And one time I just jerked my back and I was like, no, nah, this is fucked up. Like I need to go to the hospital and check it out. Like get an x-ray. Yeah, yeah. They're like, yeah, dude, you broke your back. Like it's been broken for a while. And, um, yeah, that sucked. And like, I kind of knew something was up for a while, but whatever. I mean, it's, it was, it sucked too. I was working at this trampoline park at the time and I had this back brace on and like, you know, how hard it is not to jump on a trampoline when you like, 
are around them all fucking day. Like, it's not easy, you know? Like, I forgot about that, They're getting excited about it, and it was just like, dude, come <laughs> on. But, yeah, it's... Dang, I, I totally forgot that you, like, waited a while to, like, go get to the hospital after the Snowflex thing. Yeah. You've skied through or just, like, done stuff through pain f- before, because now that we're talking about this, it kind of reminds me of the knee injury, and you skied the entire month of hood still. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Which was wild, because you were still throwing down. I think I remember a line yeah. was, was a Switch Misty 9 to... Wait, cork what? seven or cork nine and then you went into the rails and did 2p2 to lip on to the up flat donkey rail misty six out maybe and that was all one line i remember yeah. filming it and no, I remember like, doing, I, all i remember that was doing it was like an up rail and it was like a misty six and but and then i went into a four prets too like on a down rail. You, but yeah, but you hit yeah. a jump line first because I remember yeah, you were just like, dude, can you just get this whole run? And yeah, I was like, I was fine. Fired dude. up, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like. You had a broken piece off your tibia? Yeah. Like my patellar tendon. I mean, a lot of people have um, Osgood Slaughters, but I had like had that in a couple years earlier. I. Fuck, did I. Wait. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So a couple years earlier, or maybe that was earlier that season, but I snapped it off. And it was kind of like a non-issue um, where, yeah, like the Osgood Schlatter's bump, I like snapped off and it's connected to my patellar tendon, which is connected to your kneecap. And I skied on it for a while and shit's just like, it, I mean, it's still, I don't know, I got surgery on it already, but it's like still doesn't react properly. So I think I might've busted it off again. I don't really know or it didn't grow back right. But yeah, I remember like yeah, skiing and it crested view like and it just was hurting so bad just like so much ibuprofen and and cans yeah yeah and like yeah just covering up whatever feeling i had on in my knee and it just hurt like hell but yeah i ended up going to hood and i think that summer is the summer that i like ended up finally being like all right i'm just gonna get surgery on and get it done well i think you said you like went to the doctor or something to get it checked and he was like yeah like keeps like continuing to ski isn't going to make it any worse but it's going to yeah. be very painful yeah so i'm going to wait till summer because that was that was your second year at hood right i don't remember i think that was um, i don't think that was the first one no definitely not the first one the first one was like a rainstorm monsoon year yeah that was yeah, the that first was, that was the first that was year because that was both of our first years one. yeah 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 that yeah, was a crazy one getting stuck in oregon yeah and yeah. ended up staying in oregon thanks yeah. to derek's uncle yeah. shout out to blair yeah that's a fun story too we're like yeah so my uncle has this he has this like what it's probably a 40 foot yacht yeah and it's like it's a sick fucking boat he got it for free he got it for a dollar yeah we're like someone i don't know he's i don't know he's been around hood river for a while super connected and he's like the kind of guy that does fix up projects yeah some guy was selling land and there was this boat that was put on blocks on this land and the guy was, was just like, like yeah if you come get it yeah if you come get yeah. it it's yours yeah. and apparently there's all these guys that were like working on the land that always joked about taking it off the owner's uh like hands and stuff and blair freaking goes over to this boat that's been sitting on land for 10 to 15 years and just starts it right up not even putting fresh gas in it or anything yeah. like starts it up on land and then just gets one of his buddies to take it to the hood river marina and just plop it in there 
It yeah. wasn't wasn't fully running, but somehow he just got it to start right up. Yeah, and it was like I think he put a couple hundred in, into electrical work. Yeah, or yeah. Something. Oh, definitely. something like that. He's done a lot of work. Yeah, he sense. just like f- fucked with it, and then yeah. So sure enough, um, Ryan and I wanted to go out the hood, and I mean, most people go out and camp, and like I don't know, Blair. I think we were this. we were think, camping for a little bit, and it started raining yeah. really bad, and I yeah. and I'm not like a camp type. Uh, not when it's crazy weather like not, that. Yeah, I'm not like it's rough. Super into living in the woods. I'll go hang out in the desert. But <laughs> yeah, and um, yeah, Ryan and I end up staying on this yacht, and it's like it's still like there's very surely a remnants of it being like of it being out of use for 18 years on land. But it was freaking cool, man. Like there's this ice machine, and it was like. Oh my god, yeah, we were like... It was a boat from 1978. Yeah. And it was like a really yeah. nice, expensive boat in 1978. Yeah, it's like, it was like a Coke a, dealer boat. Yeah, it had a yeah. kitchen, it had a bathroom, a nice couch area, a full, like, queen-size bed. Yeah, it was sick. Super sick. And sure enough, Ryan thought it was sick. And, yeah, I ended up flying out. I needed to go home um, to kind of like... what I think I needed to go home. Or was that the year I needed to deal with my knee? I don't even think so. I just wanted to go home at that point. I was like, it was yeah. a month. It was a month of yeah. skiing. We were there crazy weather. And then Ryan was supposed to go home and he ended up staying and he just talked to my uncle and he's like, dude, can I like stay on the boat for a little longer? And that's when he ended up like sticking around and making some contacts in Hood River and buying the RV, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. I think we got the into that in some other two planker podcasts so if you want to go back and listen to those definitely look into the two planker archive because there's a whole lot of history involved in what ethan's doing but to get back to camping stories because there was another year i don't know if it was this same year but I i think we went down to lolo pass to camp with owen and all the steam boys and stuff and yep i think it was I don't know. I think we were on the boat, and then we were just like, you know, let's go camp in the woods with the boys for one night or something. Mm -hmm. And I think it was your car. I can't quite remember it all. I drove. So you you slept outside in a hammock, and that was you had a crazy story that happened that night. (laughs) Yeah. So we all went to sleep. Um, It's if you ever camped out in Mount Hood, you know that it's like I don't know. People aren't cleaning up their food at night. For the most part. No, that was a pretty um, dirty campsite, I believe. Yeah. It's like people are, whenever people are leaving, they're cleaning their shit up. But yeah, it's not like you're like being bear safe. Um, I don't think we ever really thought about bears at that yeah. time. We were just like, oh, yeah. we're camping in the woods to go skiing. Like yeah. not really thinking about it. Yeah. So basically what happens is I had one of those Eno hammocks and they have the clips on them. And I'd always like whenever I'd sleep in it overnight, I would clip my shoelace on and flip it over so I couldn't see anything. And I woke up at like, I think it was like five in the morning and I woke up and there was this like pressure on my chest that woke me up. And I thought I was like lucid dreaming or some (laughs) shit. And basically I was like, all right, like find, I found my phone to like complete like a simple action to be like, all right, like I'm awake. I was like, all right, find my phone, open the calculator. Like, cool. I'm awake. Like I just did that. Um, and all of a sudden I'm like, there's something fucking pushing down on my stomach. And I realize like, this is not normal. And I think it's, I'm like, this is a fucking bear. And <laughs> I like hold my arms over, just like crossed over my, like corpse mode pretty much. It's like over my chest. 
and I'm just laying there in fear, and this bear, like, eventually, like, hops off, and I'm still, like, freaking out, because I'm like, what, it's probably fucking around with the food or something, like, it's not doing anything normal, and, um, or, I guess not normal, but it's probably doing normal bear things, but it ends up, like, coming back a few minutes later, and I could just hear it just, like, heavy breathing right next to my, to my hammock, and I had this neon green hammock, so I could see its silhouette through, and I could just hear it breathing and see its face probably like, fuck, maybe like two feet away from my head. And I could just smell it. And it was horrific, dude. Like, it's just like seeing that. And I've always had like a, a thing with bears where they've always freaked me out. But that's like, that really fucked with me. And I remember like, up. I ended up hearing like, eventually I ended up, it's probably like, like 30, 45 minute like thing where it's like keeps coming back and like, yeah, it was just weird. And eventually I hear a car drive by and I'm like, it had to have fucking scraped off. So I jump out of my fucking hammock and I sprint to Ryan's car and I start banging on his window. He's so <laughs> mad at me. I'm like, let me in the fucking car. Like, and I was so scared, dude. I remember I was like sore for, I mean, you're, you're already wicked sore whenever you're out of hood, yeah. but um, just from skiing so much. But I remember being like extremely sore in my upper body from shaking so much for the next two days because like, of how much like fear I was in because I'm like I don't, I'm not gonna fucking pop out of a hammock <laughs> and encounter this bear like that's not my plan and like quite frankly like I don't know I didn't know what kind of bears were there but like either way it's a fucking bear yeah yeah so yeah. that's, that's a crazy story I remember you telling me that and I just like yeah. I sleep through anything so like yeah I had no idea and I just wake up to him pounding on my window and he's just telling me dude there's a bear there's a bear I'm like dude there's no way yeah and I was just like, he was so terrified. I was like, dang, there must have been something. Yeah. Because, yeah, that was, I remember that. That was crazy. Yeah, that was not <laughs> cool. And that's like why I don't really like camping. That anymore. was your last time but, camping down at Lolo Pass, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think that was my last time camping in the woods, to be honest. <laughs> you just went to the like, boat every time? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just go, like, stay at my uncle's house or go hang out of the boat, which is like, it's like an hour drive, but shit, like, I'm, I'll take that to go take a shower and yeah i mean if you get no. down to hood river 4 35 o'clock mm -hmm. there's still sunlight in the summertime mm -hmm. and hood river is such an oh, amazing it's like town 80 degrees out just by the river it's yeah the waterfront cool, people man. kiting yeah yeah like all, of, all my cousins live there and aunt and uncle so it's fun to see them yeah, yeah. no hood river is an amazing place it's yeah it's freaking sick yeah oh, man, i haven't been there for a minute definitely need to go back but yeah more more on the side of skiing one of the things that I don't know if most people know, I'm sure a lot of people do, at least core people in skiing, is you started and own Syndicate Outerwear. Yep. Which a lot of us have, have worn the past couple of years. I, I have a pair. They're some of my favorite, most durable pants, for sure. Just need to be baggier. Even my sock. Yeah, yeah, that's what people <laughs> say. I definitely remember us talking about it at the beginning and yeah, stuff like that. But I definitely, watching the whole process, if you go through that, was just pretty sick. Just, yep. like, finding out manufacturers, figuring out shipping, the whole website building, all that was, yep. was pretty sick. Yeah. And that was if you wanna, process. If you want to start talking about that, I mean, yeah. what, how many years or two years? Or you're two years, three years in? Um, I started doing it, I think July 1st is whenever I, like, wrote out my first or july 1st 2020 was whenever i wrote out my first contract to like 
hire someone out for to manufacture or to make a tech pack for me gotcha which is the apparel equivalent to a blueprint for a house gotcha um it's every little bit of detail that goes into like into manufacturing a pair of pants or whatever the waist sizes yeah versus like what style of of zipper like what brand of zipper um what style of stitching what material what dyes like it is hyper technical and i knew that i really wanted to do it so um and i knew what i wanted to make so basically like i had to figure someone out to do it because it's I don't have any experience doing that, and that's not something that I was like, I mean, I'm sure I could have figured out how to do it on my own if I, I mean, it, it would have been done poorly, though. Yeah, because this yeah. all kind of sprung up from mm-hmm. you always having lethal descent lethal pants, mm-hmm. they always hooked you up, Yep. and them going out of business and him yep. just floating you gear for years and years yeah. after they went out of business and you were just kind of like dude we could make something or you could yep. make something that's really sick and and similar and was it kind of also just like covid kind of did was covid um, involved at all in your yeah, decision making yeah yeah so first things first i guess um yeah so lethal descent used to hook me up with pants i bought them for a while before and then um Kevin Slattery, uh, or I believe that's how you say his last name, uh, he was running Lethal Descent, and he like ended up not doing it anymore. And he was still hooking me up with pants, and they're, I just fucking loved the pants, man. Like the durability on them was money, like the material. It just felt like such a high quality product. And uh, what I was wearing the like the last year production of that product for maybe like three seasons of skiing where I was like, all right, like there's a couple things I don't, there's a couple things I don't like about these and a lot of things that I really do like about them. So I reached out to him, um, just gave him a call and I was like, dude, like I really want to like try and remake this product. Um, it's, it's fucking awesome. And like, I appreciate it so much and like the quality of it. And like, I promise I'll do it some justice if I'm going to do so. And, um, yeah, he gave me a lot of like information on just business insights of how the products work and like, yeah, just like, I don't know, just how he operated the company. So, um, moving on from there, I pretty much was like, yeah, I just said like, I don't want this part. I want this part. And I brought that to a person that I like found on Google that lives what, like 30 minutes away. Um, her name's Mabel and her husband and Roberto Alarcon, and they're like, they're so helpful in the whole process. Um, they like, yeah, they walked me through everything and like, they're like, we just have these meetings where it's like, what do you want to do about this? Like, what are, what kind of like, how are we going to like connect? Like, or how's this pocket going to be trimmed? Or like, do we want like snap buttons or do we want magnets? Like, do we want this waterproofed or do we want like an extra like, seal on it like everything was so down to the details where i was some of the questions like i thought i had it fully like planned out where i'd be like holy crap like i really need to like look into this even more like or like that's what they do is they manufacture this stuff and um yeah so that was that was really cool um it ended up starting in what i mean may i mean i kind of wanted to do it for a while and then covid hit and sure enough, I was unemployed 
and just kind of like skiing, you know, like we were just going up to Brighton a lot. Um, and everyone was being pretty, pretty cautious about it, but we'd all, all and meet up. You were making at, that unemployment stuff, right? Yeah. Through COVID. Yeah. There was like, sick. yeah, it was like fresh out of college and haven't had like, haven't really had money. It was like right after I moved to Salt Lake, I think COVID hit like three months after, but haven't really had like money kicking around to spend on a project like that and randomly like the government's just pissing money out yeah the stimulus and and then yeah and i was like "Uh uh-oh like this is when i can do this this is when i'm gonna have the time it would be silly for me not to take the opportunity to be doing this right now yeah and um yeah so basically started right there and i was like talking about the idea with a lot of my friends for a while and I've what I ended up like I was flying to Florida the next we were filming for like line traveling circus down at Wasatch Academy and I remember like I don't know I was talking to Emmett Davis the owner of Vishnu about it and he was just like dude just like fucking do it and I was like okay like cool I mean you like obviously have shown that like the capability of doing yeah so <laughs> Emmett's awesome. i was like i was just like yeah i guess i'm just gonna do it and i ended up flying out of florida to like visit my family and during that time i like wrote out like and just like what i wanted to do with the company and how i wanted to like present it to like the world and right whenever i got back i remember like that's when i started like taking it very seriously and starting to develop tech packs and coming up with other products and yeah and that's where it, where it all stemmed out from. And then you get into the whole, like, manufacturing in China fucking headaches, where it's like <laughs> you start dealing with minimum order quantities. And you don't, I mean, like, going into it very blindly from, like, a soft goods manufacturing standpoint, because it's like manufacturing soft goods is, is pretty different than manufacturing a hard good. Um, I personally don't have much experience in hard goods at all, but... Uh, whole soft goods sides of it side of it like you'd just be like oh i have this shit so dialed like it's all running smoothly it's all working out and then they're just like all right well you have to make 300 units of each fucking color and you're just like where the fuck am i gonna figure out how to do that or how to sell that many units <laughs> yeah yeah so Especially that's like just like the initial start yeah. of, of a brand just being like oh yeah, yeah. it's like te- ski pants yeah aren't the cheapest thing or like if you're buying 300 of them yeah the initial up front yeah 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 it's like it's definitely not cheap to be doing um but fortunately like the people that i used to make my tech pack had some like connections in china like factory wise so i was able to like have some leveraging power through like past um past connections and past like purchases they've done by helping factories with other people that they've like helped along the way if that makes sense um it's like a very relationship-based culture over there but i mean you have to like you also like there are numbers and you need to meet those numbers or they're not going to do business with you and then you can you can kind of like wiggle around and go to other other places but it might not be as high quality and um and yeah like done that with a couple other products like or one of the things that i made was um an anorak jacket and i had those made in pakistan you know it's like 
you can get stuff made in different countries, but it doesn't mean it's gonna like it's it could be done well. You gotta be careful with who's who's making your stuff. Gotcha. You know? Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of rambling, but no, no, no. Is. I'm sure people. Yeah. I mean, Ethan was whenever he was talking about getting you on. He's just like, dude, just talk about Syndicate. Like, it was just I don't know. It's cool having a homie of yours that you grew yeah. up with and ski together and just start this company and everyone had pants for the the first year of it and everyone was stoked and we made what you paid for ethan e-cooks to make a ski video and yeah ethan did or ethan did like a bunch of photos for such a good deal i'm so appreciative of him for that and then yeah owen dahlberg did the video and i remember that being like a peak pinnacle of like of figuring out how, yeah, I don't know. It was just, just like co- the marketing side? No, just coordinating how many, how fucking difficult it is to coordinate <laughs> like 10 skiers to be together <laughs> at the same time on the same day wearing like what I want them to wear. Not all wearing and, the like, same stuff. It all, yeah, and it all worked out. Like it was like, it was March 26th, I want to say, like 20, that would have been 21. Um, yeah, after everything, or after, like, all, I, so you are, whenever you, like, order stuff um, at, like, a big level and you want to, and you have intentions of using it in marketing material, which obviously you're going to if you want, especially for a product like this where, like, it, a lot of the time it sells itself off of people seeing someone else using the product. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, you, you end up, it's called a sale sample, so I had, like, 10 units of each tech hood that I made and 10 units of each pant that I made come in at like super premium cost because they have to like I mean they have to go through every process to make this this short run of everything yeah and um or just getting these like getting them in the mail and being like cool like dish them out to all the homies that I'm like interested in that I think have like unique styles of skiing or like honestly like people that are just like approachable on the mountain as well was one of the things that i wanted to use or it's like you know like this like yeah like they look good skiing but like also like holy shit like this is someone that like a young kid could come up to and ask for advice and they're going to give them advice and like help them out yeah you had some pretty and good people on, on yeah board. And that was fun but i mean yeah it was, it was a good crew and i remember being it was like my birthday is march 22 and or like having to trade off one of my shifts i was like i need I'm going to work this day. I need this day off. And that was like the last piece of being like, yo, like we have to get this video done this day because there's never going to be a chance that it works out again. Yeah. And, and then I also had to be sunny. Yeah. And it was sunny <laughs> as all hell, which was beautiful. And, um, yeah, that's like right after making those materials, like that's where I kind of announced the company and that's after all the like manufacturing or not all the manufacturing headaches, but, the majority of the headaches that came with the initial process were kind of done. I mean, headaches is a bad way to put it. It's like more sort of learning experiences, but yeah, it's, it was great seeing everything come together and having like all the media together. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's it. I definitely remember the video and it was, mm-hmm. it was sweet, but I, I definitely remember sleeping on your couch or something Yeah. and you working on something, like trying to figure out coordinating shipping and getting everything. And yeah. I just remember you freaking out one day, just like, shit, did I, did I ship everything? Like all 300 pairs of pants to the wrong house? Like, yeah. <laughs> or the wrong well, address. Like, so that was the thing is, um, sea freight is 
vastly cheaper than using like using an airplane to get any ship somewhere obviously um so yeah basically you use this like the way that you ship things is you organ it was oh my god it was this <laughs> the one i hate thinking about this day so i'm basically what happens is i had to figure out how to get fedex to bring all these boxes from the side of a factory to the shipping port and have someone like sign off on them in a different country and yeah in fucking china and i think everything shipped out of shanghai so it's yeah everything like i mean i'm waiting for these calls for whoever is shipping this from shanghai to bring like fedex in shanghai like organizing it it's like 900 fucking dollars to to like <laughs> just get these well this was like this was the sale sample yeah but um yeah it's just god it was such a nightmare to figure out <laughs> And then one day, um, whenever like the actual order was coming, I remember it was like June something. I used a, a freight forwarding company to use or to like ship everything overseas. And then what happened is basically it gets to LA and then it flies over to SLC Airport, which is where we're based. And then I hire on a trucker to bring over everything from there. So what it's happens then is. I remember, like, it was supposed to show up, and I'm like, I'm going to sneak in a quick bike. It was supposed to show up this day. I was like, I'm going to sneak in a quick bike ride, and I'm like, yeah, I'm halfway up this uh, this canyon that I ride up pretty regularly, and I was living with Mike Bledgy at the time at a different house, but um, I remember him just sending me this picture of, like, a fucking 18-wheeler Dr. Pepper truck in the front yard <laughs> just with pallets of pants on it. Like, and I was like, what the fuck? Like, I didn't realize, like, the sheer volume of what I actually bought was, like, when it comes down to, like, how much space it takes up. And we just put it under this, like, and it wasn't that worrisome, just considering, like, we had a garage and whatnot. But just put it under this, like, giant, um, what do you call it? Pavilion. Pavilion that's in our backyard. And there's just, like, all these pants sitting there. And I'm like, Fuck. Like, this is a lot of money. I should probably figure out how to deal with this <laughs> now. And then, um, yeah, that was a headache. But once they were finally there, it was just such a breath of fresh air where it's like, all right, this is done. Like, or not done, it's just started. But yeah. it's... That, you have the physical product yeah, now that, to the just... The pain in the ass is done. <laughs> or so I thought. You yeah. Know? yeah, yeah. And now we're two-something years, three years in. Yeah. Oh. Almost yeah, four years. Like coming up on four. And what twenty one was? September twenty one was, was September first. Twenty one was the first day that everything went on sale, and well, so it's almost three years, almost three full years, three seasons. And I just um, got to Salt Lake this year when you were running the yeah. the Thanksgiving sales and stuff, yeah. and you were shipping stuff out, so it's still going, yeah. still yeah, going so, strong. Yeah, haven't really like remanufactured a bunch of stuff um, just because of sheer volume of what I had to manufacture to to get get my foot in the door with the factory. Um, yeah, I mean it's like it's been such a good learning experience. I was able to to sell a ton of stuff off in the beginning, and um, yeah, I mean now still still kind of moving through stuff to the point where I'm just like trying to recuperate some funds to hopefully manufacture the next product. And um, that's like, it's a bib that has 
an insulated. I already have the tech pack made. For yeah, this I remember one you too. showing me this, and so, I was just like, dude, this is yeah. this is it. Yeah. So it's this bib that has like, I've always loved insulated pants. I know like a lot of people wear base layers. Um, I don't know. I I still wear base layers with insulated pants, but I get cold as hell because I don't have that much body fat on me. Um, yeah. So basically, what I did is I I had this like, it's gonna be a bib that has an insulated piece that drop that basically you would put that on before you get into your actual shell where it would snap in with neodymium magnets Whoa. to like to where like if it's a really cold day you don't need to worry about like tossing on that extra base layer but it's also not going to be like constricting all the time like if you want to go out if you want to go ski at i don't know you want to go ski at brighton whenever it's 50 degrees in the spring like you don't have to have that giant like insulated part. insulated product and it's not gonna like with the way the magnets like are attached to the product it's not going to like it's not going to restrict you and it's not going to get in your way and it's going to feel the exact same way as a shell but you have that extra piece like just whenever it's really cold you know yeah, so I remember you hopefully me. like hopefully we'll be able to get that one going soon here um it's not, that and no. it looked it looked a whole whole lot different than the first original yeah. pants that came out. The pockets were like on the inside, yeah. like stitched and everything. Yeah, and it's definitely a little bit more technical. Super baggy. Yeah, they're definitely like they're definitely baggier. And um, the one thing that I'm like really hoping to do, if and when those pants get manufactured, is I want to have like a normal sizing run where it's like a nice fitted product that's a little bit oversized. But then I want to have a pair of pants that is just size big. Gotcha. It's not like, it's not your 2XL. It's not your, yeah, it's not your XL. It's size big. Gotcha. So That's it's like, makes it accessible for people that need technical goods to actually like use the product and purchase that product. Yeah, have the but, insulated and, not, and then yeah. the springtime pant that yeah. still fits but then normal. Also, then you also have that steezy option that people, that like the certain demographics yeah. want. Yeah. Yeah. So. All the park skiers. Yeah, so I mean, if we can get that going, that'd be pretty, pretty wicked. Yeah. Yeah. What is that? Syndicate.com. Syndicateouterwear.com or syndicate.ski. Sick. Or, yeah. Sick. And towards the end of this conversation, you brought up biking and going yep. up up Immigration Canyon. Yeah. Quite a bit. Oh yeah. And since at the beginning we 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 mentioned that you know you haven't skied a whole lot this year, just a slow start, working yep. a ton. Yeah. But you got heavily into biking in the past year and a half or so oh yeah like what 2020 i got like intensely into it so three a little over three years yeah nice i got yeah, super into racing bikes just wait racing road bikes it's super fun stuff yeah and i'm sure you learned a lot from syndicate and that's why you now yeah. have started insignia yep yeah so um yeah i mean road biking uh and yeah, as mentioned earlier, my knee's like still kind of busted. I mean, everyone that skis has some sort of knee problem, but uh, my knee's pretty busted up and it's just like never felt super strong. So I ended up getting into road biking uh, back in 2020 and it's, yeah, and I was getting into it for like strengthening my knees and then I ended up getting absolutely hooked on it and it's like, taken over my life almost just how much i enjoy it um this is year yeah. two of actually racing right 
this coming summer will be my third year of racing. Third year. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. So, yeah, basically, um, KSL is like Craigslist for Utah. And after doing it for a while, I ended up, or after just like riding for a while, maybe like a bit over a year, I just got into all the components and fun parts of riding bikes and ended up buying this like group set, which is basically for people that don't ride bikes. It's like all the parts that make a bike move and shift and yeah it's like it's every part of the bike that isn't the actual like that isn't the actual bike and basically i went and bought one of these group sets from from some dude on uh ksl my buddy jack and he ended up hooking me up with this uh with this race team that i ended up on and making a contact with that and i just got so so hooked on bike racing yeah so that's been really fun and like I originally intended it to be more so a heel from or heel up to ski better and then it ended up just like being a very like serious new passion. Sick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. cuz you you started racing and was it first year you what group was it? Uh, I ended up what in division? Category 3 my first year and I ended up with a state championship uh, title for hill climb what category 3 is like the le it's like goes cat five down to cat one and cat one's like pro in the u.s pretty much and ended up category three is like where it it kind of like separates from where people are doing it for fun to like where people are taking it seriously and uh, i ended up having a uh what i ended up getting like a um, state championship for road racing and for like hill climbs which is just riding up a giant hill on a bike Dang, that's sick, dude. Yeah. I remember you, I think we talked like a couple weeks after because I wasn't in Salt Lake. And uh -huh. You were just like, yeah, dude, check out this bib. And it's just like state yeah. champ bib. Yeah. And I was, I'm, I'm sure that fired you up just like, I don't know, just getting into racing and accomplishing something. Like that's yeah. not just like, oh, this is what I was going to do just to heal my body and yeah. stuff like that. And just diving more and more into the sport, yeah. and starting racing and then getting something out of it. Oh, yeah. And that's like, it's equatable like i don't know the whole racing yeah like shout out to my boy jack who like got me into it but it's equatable to doing like every like start of a race and like throughout a race it's it gives me the same adrenaline rush as my first backflip i don't know why and like i mean like forever will chase it you know like it's it's just so fun sick, and sick. yeah <laughs> it's so much fun and yeah that's like ended up leading into um or this year i i ended up starting a cycling apparel company insignia cycling and um just using my knowledge from all the stuff that i did with syndicate and yeah that's been super fun making like technical apparel it's very opposite of the skiing kind of stuff because it's like yeah it's super tight like super tight bike gear you know yeah, not the baggy pants yeah, a lot of material a lot of layers waterproofing lycra yeah it's like the stuff that you make fun of your dad for when you're <laughs> a kid, you know yeah it's different different material than ski outerwear it's not baggy it's more the tight aerodynamic stuff but that's yep. what you need for biking yep shooting for arrow but comfy and breathable and uh it's definitely been a whole different uh whole different battle like trying to figure it out but it's super fun um just working with other factories and trying to figure out like 
how I can make the best product for the cheapest because it's what really bugged me about cycling apparel is how it's inherently super expensive. Um, it's really hot here in the summer. It's like, I mean, it gets to a hundred pretty often. And I wanted a white jersey, just like a normal white jersey earlier this year. And just because it doesn't like, it doesn't hold as much heat. Yeah. And I'm looking at some of the, some like, I don't know, just some of the normal companies that I would buy stuff from. And it's like $180 for a jersey. And it's the same thing as buying like, I don't know, I mean, $180 for a jersey is is absurd with how much you can manufacture stuff for. Um, how pretty simple so they are somewhat. Not simple, but it's like that premium is, I mean, the whole cycling industry very much revolves around um, around retailers where, and like, you know, I, this summer I had a little bit of experience in the corporate world working for backcountry as an assistant buyer where like, I'd see a lot of the pricing structures for apparel goods where whenever you're going to retailer, like you're doing every time you like move something, like if I, as a manufacturer, move something to a retailer, it's going to double in price and that retailer is going to double it in price when it comes to you. And that's very much how the cycling apparel world works. And it's, you know, like it, I wanted to make something accessible, like, I mean, really like I ended up starting this company because I wanted a white jersey for cheap. And, um, yeah, and then I got really into it because that's just how my brain works, where I just had to know more about it. And eventually I, was, I had a product and a sample that I was happy with and I wanted to reach the world with. So, yeah, here we are with that. And um, kind of did a soft launch in the fall this year on that company. Um, I think that was around September. Yeah, probably September. And... Uh, did like spring summer stuff so far so really gonna ramp that up in the next coming months to actually like make a move on moving some inventory and already have some good marketing assets for that as well so we're gonna yeah hopefully crush it in that end sick dude yeah i'm excited to see where that goes because you also had the ski homies help you out with the yeah. videos and pictures for that as well so it's kind of cool yeah that you're bringing those homies like teaching people who are normally on skis trying to film or take pictures and then you're going up a canyon you got cars following bikers and stuff yeah. like that it probably definitely opened their eyes a little bit to yeah like filming other stuff than just skiing yeah yeah ethan cook did some of the video work for oh um, my gosh for the company and then uh our friend Maeve reese she did all the photos and they came out stunningly nice so excited how they came out um she did some of the like 3d product photos as well which are just like i didn't have a damn clue how to do that i remember I'd, i drove up to ogden to buy a which is like I mean, it's like 50 minutes away but drove up to ogden to buy a mannequin and i was like all right cool i'm gonna buy this mannequin and i'm just gonna figure out how to do it and like you ended up just going into the, to a, a photo studio to actually like do it and then she edited them and it's pretty cool how to make like make a 3d product image and like learning how to do that that was pretty fun too yeah but um yeah it was, it's definitely i mean all of it's such a good learning experience and like the other really attractive part about the cycling apparel stuff is that minimum order quantities like compared to like the ski outerwear stuff all the processes are are a lot different and a lot of the colors that you can like that you can do and all the patterns that you can do with cycling apparel stuff like you can get printed onto these fabrics while like 
with ski apparel stuff, you, you might need to be dyeing it. Gotcha. And that's going to result in a higher MOQ. But like with the cycling apparel stuff, I can make a couple units, not a couple, but we make a lot less units of each color where it allows me to be more creative and try new patterns and can just be like, you know, like I'm going to make a, a tiger camo pattern. Like, let's see if that works. And it's not like if it doesn't work out too well in sales, it's, you just don't it's really not that, it. it's not that big of a deal. It's not the end yeah. of the world. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's like you sell a couple and yeah, give a couple away and they're gone. You Sick. know? Yeah. Sick. I mean, after syndicate and stuff, I'm sure you've learned a lot. So it's going into insignia. I'm sure it made it a whole lot easier. Yeah. 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 It definitely made it a lot easier, like transitioning into it. Um, I remember, I mean, I was like starting the company with a nine to five, like I, I started making samples back in maybe like February of earlier this year or 2023 now. And, um, then I like, I was, I had to like kind of wait till it was warm to test them. And, but I, I could at least like play with the fabrics whenever I'd like get a new sample in and be like, all right, like this, this could be really cool. But I need to see like its wicking capabilities and its breathability and like how it's gonna handle like am I gonna get burn as shit from wearing this like lightweight material versus something else. And um when summer came around, I was like cool, like found exactly what I wanted to make and just went for it and uh originally did like two different silhouettes of product, one with three colorways and then one with five colorways and then two colorways of bib shorts, which are yeah, it's basically just the shorts, you, tight, tight little shorts you wear whenever you're riding a bike. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it's sick because this isn't just like, oh, I'm going to go ride a few times. Derek literally rides every single day in the summertime. It's pretty wild. Yeah, yeah. I think like... What's your mi average mileage a week? A week in the summer? Um, and it depends like where I am and like, I mean, I'll go visit Florida where my mileage will be a lot higher because there's no elevation gain. Gotcha. But I mean... During the summer, I'm probably doing like 15 to 20 hours a week on the bike, and and that's going up and down canyons. Yeah, and that'll I mean that'll result in like 300 plus mile weeks with like 30,000 feet of vertical gain. Like most weeks, I'll pull that off unless I'm feeling down bad. But um, have you felt yeah. that translated all back into skiing when you go skiing? Like your legs like are the jacked. strength. Yeah. Um, somewhat like my overall like muscular muscular structure like feels a lot stronger but a lot of the like Heavy fast impact. twitch muscles that your body uses whenever you're like whenever you're skiing park and like jumping around on rails and doing jumps like those have definitely like laid back a little bit like it's it doesn't fully translate i think like like the strength is there but like the quickness and the agility has slowed down from riding a bike. So reacting much, quickly when it comes to edge catching edges yep. or sliding rails yep. and stuff like that. Gotcha. Yep. Gotcha. And that's like, yeah, I'm at the point where I'm taking racing pretty seriously now, or at least for this coming season. Like I think I've probably do like well over 40 races this summer. And yeah, so I got to like, I've been training a lot inside and I mean with like, what I do for work right now, it's it's kind of hard to like to ski a lot, anyways. So it works out pretty well. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're still yeah. doing your ride breaks here and there. Oh, yeah. Still making the Insta cuts. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> that everybody from, loves. From time to time, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wicked, yeah. dude. I mean, Try once I get back on skis, we're going to have to go ride together for sure. Yeah. We'll see if you get a split. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely going to go for at least one run this weekend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so for context, right now, um, Ryan and I are working at a ski shop in Park City that I'm managing and he just like whenever he moved here he was looking for a job so it's been super fun working together yeah finally not not all over the place in the RV in one place for quite a bit of time so yeah this is the first job I've had in the winter time in quite a long time yeah and it's like it's a fun job you work with a bunch of cool people and like if you want to go skiing you can you can make it happen and like yeah definitely yeah, I mean, if you, yeah, like, if you're not managing the place, you can work 40 hours in four days, which is pretty freaking cool. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. But it's like, it's just cool seeing the other side of skiing when you're, you know, you're people who come from all over the world for a vacation to come yeah. in for a couple days. Some people never ski before ever. And, yeah, just to talk to them. And, I mean, there's definitely some funny interactions with people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's a cool gig. It's like, yeah, it's a really cool gig. Um, but yeah, very seasonal. Yeah. So towards the springtime, definitely going back to hood. At least I am. Yep. I think you have another cruise with your family again in the spring. Yeah. And then we're freaking hitting Italy. Yeah, we're going to go to Europe. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're going to go to Europe for sure. It's, um, yeah, Europe's a fun fun place if you can figure out how to get there and dick around in europe go yeah. it's pretty fun i'm excited you were telling me you went on a little trip last summer with your family and you were just saying how sick it was and it's just wild how you're you're planning it i ended up moving here mike wants to go yeah it's just cool like i'm now surrounded by my childhood best friends again and yeah there's a possible chance of all of us going to italy and yeah Europe together. I think that's pretty sick. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, the things that money can do. <laughs> <laughs> Ski shop money. Yeah, you know, like if you can, I mean, if you figure out how to go on, on a trip, why not? The European and, trip is sponsored by Dean Peters. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Dean. Yeah. I don't think Dean's going to listen to it. But. <laughs> <laughs> if you yeah. know who Dean is, you're a lucky person. Yep. But yeah, man, I'm, I'm sure listeners, people who are interested in Syndicate or just have seen it on the mountain, there's definitely been a lot of people around Park City just with the influence of you skiing around and other people and just being based here. I definitely see Syndicate all over Park City for sure. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's been a fun company to operate and I'm very blessed to have the opportunity to do so. And like, that being said as well, like if you have, I don't know, if you're like, a young entrepreneur just want to have any like sort of entrepreneurial endeavor like i'm always down to chat about something to shoot me a dm on instagram or something and like i love chatting about like fun little projects that people are working on so, yeah derek derek yeah. loves to dive into the things he does and he's very well-rounded when it comes to certain like the aspects of what he's into i've learned that or I've just known that about him for a very long time. And it's yep. just like, yeah, if you if he's into this one thing that you're interested in or trying to figure out, he's definitely able to help. Yeah. I mean, yeah, whatever knowledge I can 
my limited knowledge, whatever I can, <laughs> whatever I can give, I'm more than happy to share with people. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, I'm sure there's enough insight into you and people can look up Syndicate and Insignia and just go back and look at all the Instagram edits or just edits you've been involved in and watch your skiing and stuff like that. So definitely thanks for sitting down. Yeah, totally. And chatting. We'll we'll have to do this again once we're in Italy, maybe. maybe. (laughs) Some foreign country. (laughs) After the summer, you know, when you win some races and stuff like that. Yeah, we'll be living on borrowed time over there. Oh, yeah, living on borrowed. We're always living on borrowed time. Especially in Italy, though. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. A little sick, sick, man. Thanks for coming. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Awesome.